Whether it's comedy, action adventure, drama, horror, and everything else in between, all movies at least have one thing in common. They all share a message with you. This is Movie Night Apologetics, where I, movie apologist Clark, review and examine movies and their messages from a Christian perspective. Well, what is up, movie lover family? Welcome back to the Movie Night Apologetics podcast, and we are in it for another great show. Are you excited that for two weeks in a row, we are doing a horror movie? Another horror movie, here we go, but you can honestly... Thank my friend Blaine for this one because he recommended it to me. And I will say, I promise that this will be probably the last horror movie that I do for a little while at least. Um, I had a guy at work actually recommended the movie It to me. And so eventually I'll be going over the It movie, which I'm pretty excited about. I actually liked that movie a little bit. But... Anyways, you can thank my friend Blaine for recommending me this movie. He's the guy that I go see movies with at least once a month, and he's the guy that I often quote at the end of the, each episode. So he recommended me this movie, and I just thought, let, all right, let's do it. I've never seen this movie. I've heard about this movie, and I am all in. And so I just want to say thank you, Blaine, for recommending this to me. But before we get into the that discussion, like always, let's go over the movie description just in case you haven't watched it or just in case you're not going to watch it because it's a horror movie, it's scary, you don't like scary things, you don't like jump scares. And you want but you still want to listen to the podcast and you want to know my thoughts and you want to take away the the Christian perspective from the movie. And I'm going to talk a little bit about like what my friend Blaine liked about it and what he disliked. And then I'm going to give my review. And then I just kind of briefly uh, for a little bit want to go into one of the objections that people have about Christianity. And that is, is, well, there's a Bible. You guys say that this is the inspired word of God. And so why is there so many different interpretations? Why is there so many different denominations? Like, you know, which one do you trust? And I kind of want to go talk about that a little bit because one of the girls makes an interesting quote in the movie right before they all get trapped in in, in the cave and they're trying to figure out how to survive and get get their way through their way out. So, anyways, let's go get into the description and then talk about my friend Blaine's likes and dislikes of the movie. So here's the description. A year after a severe emotional trauma, Sarah goes to North Carolina to spend some time exploring caves with her friends. After descending underground, the women find strange cave paintings and evidence of an earlier expedition, then learn they are not alone. Underground predators inhabit the crevices and they have a taste for human flesh and gotta tell you i love it they didn't really explain the um the monsters in the cave though i have some theory behind that let's go into what blaine liked and disliked about the movie and one of his likes was my biggest like about the movie the descent is its claustrophobic atmosphere and how it be a pretty tense movie without the creatures. And I have to 
agree with Blaine on that one because even before the creatures came into being, it, before we you know saw them or anything, like there was this one part where this girl was getting stuck in this hole that she was like going through it, it right before the the cave crashed in, and man, I was feeling claustrophobic, and I don't know because I watched this movie. I don't know. I watched this one movie uh, several months ago. It was about these two girls that were climbing on this like radio tower type thing. It was like six hundred meters up in the sky and they got stuck and I'm like thinking to myself which one would I want to be in would I want to be trapped up 600 meters high on a tall tower or would I want to be trapped in a hole in a cave you know I think I'm going to have to choose the high tower because like I I mean at least there's someone could probably see you in the tower, like a plane passing by or something. In a cave, you ain't getting that. I mean, no one's going to find you, and it's dark in there, it's creepy, there's spiders, and I just just couldn't handle that. So I totally agree with you, Blaine. It's claustrophobic atmosphere makes it terrifying. And his main dislike is how the movie starts to imply the monsters aren't real, and Sarah's lost her mind, and then they just... Do nothing with that idea. Those are Blaine's likes and dislikes about the movie. And so, yeah, I'll get into a little bit of my likes and dislikes about it. The car at the very beginning, after they, you know, are done with the rafting trip, these few girls that did a rafting trip to go in, and the one gal, Sarah, the main gal, is with her husband and her daughter, and they're in this car together, and... The guy just kind of slightly keeps, I mean, he's so unfocused and not there that he just goes into the other lane and crashes into the car head on and then poles come out and then basically pierce his head and his everything and probably the daughter too, I'm assuming. And one of the things that was just kind of funny and ridiculous about that whole scene was the other car didn't even swerve. I mean, it's just like it didn't see it. Like, where was the other car? Was there problems with their marriage too? That was happening at the same time, and like you know, two husbands just you know, I like I don't know. Like, it it just seemed a little bit unrealistic to me and a little bit cheesy. But hey, I mean, it, I mean, it's a horror movie. What do you expect? There's got to be some cheesiness to it. The other thing that I kind of liked about the movie is that you actually got to learn a little bit of the personalities between the women. You got to see Sarah and like her kind of a little bit of a backstory that she had with, um, you know, the loss of her husband. You got to see one of the gals who was like more adventurous, like a risk taker. And yeah, she was the first one of that. I kind of thought that was coming. And then, Without even saying it, and you kind of knew from that's what that's one of the things I love about the movie is like they like they didn't have to say I'm having an affair with your husband like the one Juno gal who's having an affair with the husband. Um, they didn't even have to really say it. Just the way the husband looked at the one gal, and the one gal looked back when he was walking with his wife. At the very start, they didn't have to explicitly say that they were having an affair, but you kind of knew you, you like you got the sense like something's going on there, and that's probably why the husband 
he had, um, he wrecked the car because, you know, Juno was probably on his mind. And I would just like to say it was just a good plot overall. Like, I actually wasn't expecting much of this um, movie. I, I, I just thought there was, was going to be some girls, some gays, some wham. There was monsters coming in and they're just killing them. But there was actually some um, depth, a little bit of depth to it. And I, I enjoyed it. You know, it just didn't go off right in the bat. They were in the cave and then monsters came. Like they actually kind of, it took about 30 or so minutes to like build up this tension of the girls like getting trapped in the cave and the monsters coming in. Like seriously, almost half the movie was, you know, just building up tension in this story. I got to say, one of my favorite parts of the movie was honestly when the part where Juno walked up to the monster that was attacking the ladies. And I can't remember who exactly, but she she's walking up behind the monster. She grabs the head and just twists it and breaks the neck. And I just thought, man, mic drop, boom. She just like killed one of those ferocious things. And I, I mean, it, it, it was awesome. So now let's get into the dislike. What I really disliked about the movie, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves about movies uh, sometimes, is that, and I had to turn on the subtitles for this movie because the sound was really loud, and then when the girls were talking, it was really quiet. I hate it when movies do that, when it's just like super loud, and then it's super quiet. You know, especially when you have kids sleeping because you want to hear what they're saying. So you turn it up and then all of a sudden it's like, bah, 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 and then you have to turn it down really quickly. And so I had to turn on subtitles for it uh, throughout the movie just to hear what they're saying. The other thing that really sucked uh, was the lighting. The lighting, they could have done a little bit better. I mean, I know they're probably trying to make it a little bit more realistic for viewers because, you know, when you're in a cave, there's no lighting. Like, I've been in caves uh, just like a quarter of a mile, half into the cave, and you turn off any sort of light, you cannot see your hand in your face. And so maybe they were trying to go for more of a more realistic or maybe it was my settings on the TV. I don't know. That one's to be determined. But I'm telling you, the lighting kind of sucked in it too. And I didn't really appreciate that as well. They could have made it a little bit more. That's one of the movies that's closely related to this is called The Cave. And it was the same thing. The lighting just was horrible. You couldn't see what was going on. Even though it was probably more realistic in real life, it, it's still it's not very great for a movie. So... And then another thing that I really dislike was jump scares. Like when the first time you actually see the monster, like in the webcam, they even call that anymore, a camera, uh, the video camera, the video cam, whatever it's called, the first time that that happened, man, I just, I screamed like a little girl and my wife would attest to this. She was cleaning the dishes or doing something in the kitchen while this was happening. And I was like, what? <laughs> it just freaked me out so much. And so anyways, I would on and I guess the last dislike that was very just disheartening why 
really is like, oh man, that sucks, was the part where Juno is fighting the monsters. And as she's fighting them and hitting them and killing them and they scramble off, her friend comes up to the back behind her to help her, but she doesn't know it and she whips around her climbing axe and accidentally hits her in the throat and you know, leaves her there to die. So anyways, those were my likes. Those were my dislikes. I would honestly rate this movie four out of five climbing ropes and would recommend this movie to anyone who likes jump scares and likes the feeling of being claustrophobic and, uh, with man-eating monsters in the cave. Like, if you like that stuff, man, this movie is spot on for you. Uh, will I watch it again? Yeah, I mean, I can see myself watching it again 10, 20 years from now, but there's a lot of movies that I need to watch for this podcast and probably not going to watch it again for this podcast. I'm going to be honest with you. So, um, But before we descent into the real discussion today, see what I did there, is just uh, if you either recommended me this movie, blame on any other episode for that matter, or if you're just listening, uh, I would just love it if you would just rate me five stars. What the ratings actually do is to help viewers find me more who are searching for a new movie podcast. And so just, yeah, give me a five-star rating. would love that. And I also have a Discord at Movie Night Apologetics Podcast. And if you look me up on Discord and find me, you will see all my like little different feed channels. And one of them is a movie suggestion channel where you can go and suggest a movie to me. And I'll gladly put it on list. I got a big list going right now. And so if you put it on the list, eventually I'll get to it. And I would love to love to do that. Maybe if you are someone that even I don't know and you put it on the list, I will be happy to maybe even bump you up in the list. So there's that too. So look me up on Discord at Movie Night Apologetics Podcast and we can discuss movies. You can recommend me a movie if you so choose. So now let's talk about the main discussion today about the quote of the movie because what I like to do on here is I like to either pick themes or pick quotes from the movie and examine them from a Christian perspective. And unfortunately, well, I mean, there, there probably are some themes that I could pick out, but I'd rather pick out a quote of this movie. And so let's dive into the quote. So at the start of it, as the girls are going in to the cave, now this cave isn't like you walk in it. I mean, you have to like have a rope and go down into it. And so that's the kind of cave that they're descending into. And so the main girl, Juno, does not take a map. And we find out later in the movie, but it was interesting. As they were going, as the girls were going down the passage, there was, uh, this hole that Juno's like, oh yeah, let's go through here. This looks like it's it. And the other girl, Sarah, looks at her and says, the one from that was in the car accident said, as the girls were starting to go into this hole in the cave, this isn't how I imagined it when reading the book. And her friend Juno responds, that's why I don't trust books. Leaves too much room for interpretation. Now, later on, they get stuck. We know the real reason why Juno didn't take the map, and it's because 
this cave was unexplored. No one had ever explored it or, or at least never gotten the way through it, through it to talk about it. But for the sake of the episode, let's just write that part off that they are in an unexplored cave and just kind of go over the quote that Juno made. Because I think it's honestly a good springboard discussion into the topic about the validity of the Bible and the, the Christian's interpretation of the Bible. So let's just start with how do we as people and more, and I guess more specifically, how do Christians know the Bible is God's word? I could say that the Bible says it's God's word because in second Timothy, 316 it says all scripture is god breathed and while that is true i'm honestly not sure it's a very helpful answer for someone who is a non-believer because it's like a it's kind of like a circular argument well god's word is god's word because the bible says it's god's word so therefore it must be true and don't quote me on this but I think other religions' prob- books probably say that their book is um, a divine-inspired word or something like that. I'm not sure. Please don't quote me exactly on that. Like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of thinking of like the Quran or the Book of Mormon, etc. So I actually would rather use an example in, found in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, which says... And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. I mean, that's, that's pretty wild. Like Paul saying, hey, if the resurrection never happened, then everything that we're teaching, that we're preaching, all of it's in vain. All your faith is in vain. Like, it doesn't matter. The whole Bible and everything in it hinges, I mean, it literally hinges on the fact of the resurrection of Christ. So every every historian says that Jesus Christ actually lived. Like there is actual documentation of Jesus physically living on this earth. Actually, there's more documentation on Jesus than any other person in this world. So, for example, we believe that there was a Caesar that ruled Rome. I think Caesar ruled Rome. I'm not, again, I'm not a history buff here, but there's more documentation there, or there's less documentation on Caesar, yet we know Caesar was an actual person. And yet there's probably like thousands of times more documentation on Jesus than Caesar. So we, in fact, know that Jesus is real and that he actually lived on this planet. And so C.S. Lewis has a great quote. He says, either Jesus was a liar, a lunatic, or he actually was who he said he was. So if he was who he said he was, then he rose from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, all of the scripture that he quoted from the Old Testament and all the scripture that the apostles quoted from him in the New Testament, all of it is in fact the infallible word of God because of this fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So the question then becomes, is there evidence of his resurrection? 
And there actually is, there actually is historical evidence of his resurrection. And I want to recommend you a, a book, like I often do here on Movie Night Apologetics, is by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. It's about this guy who was a um, atheist, and he was researching about the resurrection of Christ because his wife became a believer, and he was like, I got to see if this is true for myself. So he actually did a lot of research about the historical evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. And I wanted to read you the description of it, so that way you can go buy this for yourself, because he's a lot more knowledgeable in this than I am. I personally haven't read the book. I have it actually on my shelf, like a couple feet away from me, and I eventually get want to get to it, but I just haven't read it yet. But I figured for your benefit, you can go read it for yourself, and you can actually see if the resurrection is true. So here's the description. Is there credible evidence that Jesus of Nazareth really is the Son of God? Former atheist and Chicago Tribune journalist Lee Strobel takes an investigative look at the evidence from the fields of science, philosophy, and history. In this revised and updated bestseller, The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel cross-examines a dozen experts with doctorates from schools such as Cambridge, Princeton, I don't even know how to say this word honestly, Brandeis, asking hard-hitting questions and building a captivating case for Christ's divinity. Strobel asked challenging questions like, how reliable is the New Testament? Does evidence for Jesus exist outside of the Bible? Is Jesus who he said he was? Is there any reason to believe the resurrection was an actual event? And it goes on from there. I highly recommend it because I don't know everything here. Now, you may think, oh, he's got a podcast. He calls himself an apologist. Listen, I don't know a lot of things. I know very few things. I know them well. It's just helpful to have someone else um, with you and go along with you and that that's a lot more knowledgeable. I, you know, personally, I've read his Case for Faith book and I, I really liked that. And so I actually, I didn't read the whole thing. I read probably about four chapters or three chapters, something like that. But from what I read, he's really, he's a really good apologist. I mean, he's a pastor, but he's also an apologist and I really appreciate him and what he does in his ministry. I do, in fact, believe Jesus rose from the dead, and because he did, I believe the Bible is God's word that guides us like a map in the cave of life, so to speak. So you may be asking at this point, then, how can the Bible really be our, how can it really be our guide, our map through life, if there are so many different interpretations of it? And that's a good question, isn't it? I mean, people do struggle with that. It's like, well, you know, there's just so many different things. There's just so many different beliefs about it. I don't, I just, I don't know. Like, I mean, really, how can I follow it? How can I follow Jesus if there's just so many different interpretations about it? And that's a great question. And we shouldn't mock the people who ask those questions because those are valid questions. And it's something I hope to help help you through because I've wrestled, oh man, <laughs> have I really wrestled 
with some of these issues. And so let's get into them. While Christians believe that God's word is inspired, I'll be honest, we do have different perspectives and different interpretations about the scripture, at least when it comes to secondary and third rank issues. So if you are unaware what I mean with secondary issues, I'll just kind of start with defining the primary issues that all Christians believe and then go into the secondary and third issues. So in Christianity, there are doctrines, there are beliefs about God and the Bible that are primary issues, issues that every Christian must believe in order honestly, to be a believer. These issues would be, for example, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. God being one, but in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Trinity. Another would be Jesus is the only way to God. No other religions or set of beliefs can get you reconciled to God. No other, like none of your works, none of your other religions can save you from your sin. Only Jesus can do that by what he did on the cross and how he rose from the dead. So for the primary stuff, look at the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. And that's kind of like where we hold our like integrity, our foundation, so to speak. But those are some of the main primary core issues. There's probably a few more, but those are just some of like the main big ones. So now let's get into kind of the secondary issues in which are important issues but Christians can differ on in these issues and still be brothers and sisters in Christ, even though they may go to a different church because of these issues, right? And so these issues, and I'm going to name kind of like hot button type topics today that are like just kind of talk of, you know, the Christian circle for the most part. These issues would be like sensationalism versus continuationism. So there's this set of beliefs that uh, sensationists believe that, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, stopped when the Bible was, all the books of the Bible were written, when the New Testament canon was closed. Continuationism says, no, the gifts, of, the gifts of the Spirit are still here and with us today in 21st century uh, timeline. Calvinism versus Arminianism. So here's another one that these are big words, I know. But Calvinists, it basically is under the belief like, you know, I, both Arminian and Calvinists say that we're sinners, we've fallen short of God's standard, we broke his law. Um, but the one would say, Arminian would say, but we get to choose um, to either um, confess our sin, repent, and believe in Jesus. Like, we are the deciding factor on that. Or Calvinists say that we are so morally depraved that we, we wouldn't even choose a God because we love our sin. But therefore, God has to intercede with the Holy Spirit, give us a redeemed heart so that we could place our faith and he elects some and he doesn't elect others, right? And so that's a Calvin Arminianism kind of thing. Then you have complementarianism and egalitarianism, which is just kind of like the roles of men and women in the church and at home. And, you know, some people will agree that or believe that Men are the only one that are qualified to be pastors and women 
are not. And the egalitarians believe that either man or women can be qualified to be in the, a pastor for a church, so to speak. So those are some of the things. And then you got the end times issues relating to how Christ will return. Not that if he will return, but how he'll return. So the rapture or do we stay here for those thousand years or whatever? I don't know. Um, man, we're actually going over time here. Sorry about that. Usually I like to keep this about 20 or 30 minutes, but we're, we're going over and that's okay. Um, so all of this is actually and to an extent are important issues to the effect of how we live out the Christian lives and whatever side you land on, you can be a fully committed Christ follower. These are not salvific issues. Anyways, and then third rank issues are stuff like, you know, that people are personally convicted by. So, for example, people either believe that you could celebrate or not or celebrate Halloween or not, or watch horror movies. I mean, those are third-rank issues that the Bible doesn't really even talk about. These are The third-rank issues are more on a personal conviction kind of basis. So I honestly kind of wish that I would have had a little bit more of this insight when I was a younger believer because I had to really struggle through a lot of these secondary issues. Eventually, I'll go a little bit more in depth on the secondary issues part, but we'll save that for another time. All this to say is the Bible is our roadmap to life. It is a guide for us. It is a tool to help equip us and guide us and to lead us in a more um, holy life with the Lord. Not that we you know, do a bunch of rules to earn God's favor, but because of what Christ did on the cross by defeating death and conquering sin and being raised to life, like we place our faith in Jesus, all our sin is forgiven, past, present, future. And then now, since we're justified, since we're made right with God, now we can start the process of sanctification and grow in holiness with him and love him more and more as the days go on. But we have to remember, and this is a saying that I came up with several years ago, and and that is the narrow gate is not a tightrope and the gate is not a crack. You know, we as Christians can be on a narrow road following Christ while differing with other Christians on certain issues of the Bible. Again, the narrow the narrow road is not a tightrope, and the gate is not a crack. Right? So think of a road; it's not narrow. Like if you're on a tightrope, I mean, one little thing, and boom, you're off. You're off the path. You know, you're in a gate. You're just you barely squeeze in, but. You know, we just have to remember that and we have to remember to love our brothers and sisters in Christ who still hold to primary doctrines, the core, the essentials of the Christian faith, but have differing views on secondary and third issues, even if we go to different churches. So anyways, I know I went a little bit long today, but I just 
That's all I have for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to rate the show and find me on the Discord at Movie Night Apologetics Podcast to recommend a movie to me. I would love to put you on the list and bump you up there maybe. So anyways, like my friend Blaine always says, who recommended me this movie, don't party too hard without me. What? Catch you guys later. Whether it's at home or at the movie theaters, Movie Night Apologetics exists to help you, the listener, know the Christian worldview through the movie's messages. I am movie apologist Clark, and this is Movie Night Apologetics Podcast.